Welcome to The Spot with me, Afro7. Today, I've got a very, very special guest in the house. I've got Feifa Wahimi, uh, better known to a lot of you as Double F on Twitter. He's going to be taking us through the latest happenings in Nigeria vis-a-vis the economy, uh, devaluation, and general impressions on how the APC has performed thus far. So stick around. Hi, Egbon Fei, as I like to call him. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tola. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yes, it's my pleasure. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Well, you know, it's going to be Monday tomorrow. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how was your week? What, did you have a good week? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's good. Uh, same old, same old work. Um, the weather's not too bad, so I guess... I guess that's something. Yeah, and I know you suffer from hay fever as well. How's that going? Yeah, well, this year so far, uh, it's not been too bad. So, I mean, it hasn't started anyway, but I've, I'm ahead of it. You know, exactly. The drugs, even, even when it hasn't started. Exactly. <laughs> I started taking the drugs in April because I was really paranoid about being paralyzed by hay fever. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's really annoying. It sure is. So, Egmont, to... You know, to our listeners, you're quite respected as a as a voice on Nigerian matters, especially when it comes to money matters. And um, recently, as we all know, the Naira has tanked. The economy isn't looking good. I think the NBS, the National Bureau of Stats, released some figures yesterday that show that we had some negative growth or something. Please correct me if I'm wrong, because this is not my uh, strong area. Um, so I think I think everybody is, well, I know that I am in a mild panic about the state of the economy. I know that this means that my, my sterling goes further, but I have family and friends there whose businesses are tanking right now. And essentially, lots of people are wondering if there's any, any uh, hope in the near future. So I read your articles, and um, they fill me mostly with despair, especially recently. So I would like you to tell us if, given the current situation and what you know, um, there is anything to be hopeful about, one. And two, before you do start that, just give us a bit of background into how you got interested in Nigerian uh, money affairs or economic affairs, and then answer the question, if that makes any sense. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I studied economics as a first degree. Um, I'm an accountant. Okay. So, I guess, uh, and I like politics, so I guess in between... Uh, somehow those three things just makes it uh, and I don't know living abroad it can kind of gives a better overview of Nigeria I don't know if it makes sense I mean it, might it sound does a bit, it does it does to me yeah. you know you know yeah so but I mean I can I can sort of observe things from a distance without actually being because when you're inside of it you know sometimes you're you're bogged down by different things you uh, there's so many things coming at you fast at the same time, but sometimes you know when you're when you're observing things from afar, it allows you a bit of time to analyze and look at things a bit more critically. So, so I guess yeah, and uh, I mean, well, I've been lucky mainly that um, my job isn't overly stressful, so it gives me time to do to have another life. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. But coming to your question about Nigeria, I think. Well, if you're looking for hope, I'll say the best hope is that things cannot get worse. <laughs> I know that sounds um, crazy, but I mean, that's just the way I look at it. Mm. Right now, everything that can go wrong is probably going wrong. 
on the one hand, you have um, government policies, you know, that maybe the government is having a nervous breakdown, maybe they're having a crisis, or maybe they just don't know what to do. Mm. You know, but anyway, it's it's reflecting in the kind of policies they're coming up with. These guys are under pressure, mm. and they're coming up with policies that are unlikely to make the situation any better. So, I mean, the number one issue, obviously, is the FX situation. Yeah. You know, the, the in Nigeria needs foreign exchange. That's just how it is. You mm. know, it's just the way it works. You know, we need we need foreign exchange to pay for so many different things to import stuff. Yeah. And, you know, all earnings from oil, which was the number one source of foreign exchange, have collapsed. You know, yeah. So now we need to sit down and say, okay, you know what? We've lost all this money coming from oil. How do we get money to come in from other sources. Okay, just to, cut, just to interrupt you there, for listeners who don't really understand how the FX uh, system works right now, right now, from, from the last thing I read, we've got unofficially two exchange rates and officially one exchange rate. Um, and I read again today on the cable NG that the CBM was mulling creating a, an independent a foreign exchange window whereby marketers determine the price or something along those lines and I'm thinking what's yeah. what's really going on? Okay, so so we have we have this official rate, right? Mm. So the official rate for all the time, most of the time when um SLS was so uh, was central bank governor, the rate was around the one fifty mark. There was no problem. So basically what Sanusi used to do was that you know, he wanted that rate to stay around that mark, around that 150 mark. He didn't yeah. want to think too much. So if, for example, there was there was a lot of pressure, so there was a lot of, say, if, for example, they said there was a lot of um, demand for dollars, right, and that was going to put pressure on the rate, which will obviously make the Naira lose some value. What he used to do then was he would just throw a lot of dollars at it, you know, and then mm-hmm. count the market down again. So which is why... All the time, Sanusi was um, central bank governor. You you kept on. It was a recurring thing. You kept on hearing say he was defending the naira. Mm-hmm. And the, the key thing was that there were dollars. You know, there were dollars available. Oil was hundred dollars mm-hmm. a barrel. So the government was made. The money was coming in. So if the naira came under pressure, he had dollars. He could throw one billion dollars at his in yeah. a week or whatever in a month. You know, and everything would calm down. So he managed to keep things around that rate. So he didn't do it by fiat. Per se. Yeah. He didn't say this is the rate and that, that's it. You know, he did it by you know defending it using a market system, if you like. You know, but I mean, ideally, maybe you might say, was it? A but wasn't system? that wasting money as well? Because I mean, I think it, it, from it was in a way because that's why you know that's partly why you know the reserves never grew as much as they should have. Mm. You know, a lot of the you know a lot of the the, the dollars, a lot of the dollars that could have you know stayed in the reserve. His option would have been to leave things, you know, leave it and let the naira, you know, it might depreciate. Okay, know. so considering that good luck, Jonathan, from all from all, all that I remember, wasn't as fixated on having the naira be at a particular rate against the the dollar. That meant that Sanusi had a lot more leeway than Emefiele currently has, as f- as far as I'm aware. Yes, yes. Why wasn't he able to do more with that freedom that he had? So, for a lot of economists like yourself, a free floating area, or 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 some somewhere in the middle. So it's not entirely free floating, but it's more realistic. Its value is more realistic. Is an ideal, right? So if Sanusi had far more leeway than Emefiele, why wasn't he able to bring us closer to where we need to be vis-a-vis the exchange rates and the government or the bank's constant interference in it? 
Well, I mean, okay, so for, for central bank governors around the world, you know, most central bank governors have a remit. So mm-hmm. they'll say, okay, this is the main thing, right? So in an American central bank governor, they don't bother about fiddling with exchange rates, you know. So what you'll find is that for something like Marconi or Janet Yellen, you know, their mm. main thing is the interest rates. You know, so they don't they don't bother they they don't they don't bother themselves with all this old exchange rate business because they're free floating, right? The currencies are free floating. Exactly. So I mean, you're not you're not going to really disturb yourself about it. I mean, in the time I've been in the UK, for example, you know, going to America, I've bought the dollar at more than two to one, and I've bought it at less than one point five to one. You know, so it moves around. Mm You know, right right now is I mean it's below one point five to one. So I mean it moves around. No, it's not something the central banks worry about. It's free floating. Now what Sanusi did was Sanusi felt that because Nigeria was to an extent import dependent on a lot of things, you know, he he needed to keep the exchange rate stable and predictable, so that you know if he let things move too much, so he, he didn't exactly say one fifty. He just he gave a band. I think mm. it was 150 to 160 or 155 or something around that band. So anytime there was pressure on the Naira and he was moving out of that band, he would, you know, he would flood the market with dollars. So effectively what he was doing was, it wasn't a fixed rate. It was, he was using the market mechanism to make it, to keep things within the rate he wanted. It was expensive. So like I said, you know, it was expensive to do because he was using the reserves to do it. You know, but if he had left it, I don't know. He might have gotten to two hundred. Who knows? Mm. You know, but you know, but he kept that stability. He didn't do it by fixing. He used the market mechanism. So in a way, it was um, a, a mixture of both. So he had this rate where the central bank wanted the rate to be at a certain point, mm-hmm. but then he didn't just use fiat to do it. He, he mm. used the market mechanism, and then, but again, coming at the cost of reserve. So, so you know, that's where we were with him, and mm-hmm. then, you know. Next thing, oil earnings collapse. Okay. You know, so Nigeria had no, I mean, Nigeria had no reserves. You know, so you know, once the oil, once oil prices started dropping, you know, there was no money to to keep that defense up. You know, okay. so there was no money. So so when the naira starts coming under pressure, there's no money. There's no one billion dollars to throw at the thing and say, hey. You know, we just throw this out just because we want to keep the exchange rate at a certain level. Okay, so... I mean, you could do... Wait, yeah. just a moment. I know your position on the Naira, uh, and, yeah. and I know that you'd ideally like it to be free float or, or, or at least more realistic than it is now, the exchange rate. However, is there a way where, given Buhari's public stance on, on, on uh, liberating the market, the currency market, is there is there a way where, with his position, things things could actually get better than they are now. Given what he said about, you know, um, uh, 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 devaluation and all that, is there a way that we can manage what he thinks, you know, and by extension what a Mayfield thinks or the other way around, and still and things still improve? Or is it so long as the Naira is as overvalued as it is, things have no hope of improving? As it is right now, no, I mean, they, they, can, they can keep up the fiction. So, so, for example, they've got a 199 rate that has not moved since I mean I think when when did the CBN CBN devalue to one nine nine in February twenty fifteen. Yeah, just before the elections. Yeah, so just before the elections. And I mean this is more than a year and they've kept that rate. I mean it is ridiculous. Because a lot of things have happened since that when Buhari came into office, for example, the dollar was the all prices were about close to seventy dollars a barrel. 
in that time, in, in between, since then and now, we've gone to, I think it dropped to below 30 at one point. Mm-hmm. Now it's rising again. So it's ridiculous to say that, you know, when the fundamental thing pinning the exchange rate has been changing so much, somehow, by magic, the exchange rate has stayed stable. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so it's a fiction. They can keep it up. I mean, but, what, they keep, what they'll keep doing is just basically keep starving the market, keep banning things from accessing it, and then at one point, you know, I mean, it, it, maybe, maybe oil price increase will rescue them, and then if oil prices get to $60 a barrel from calculations I've heard, if, if we get to between $60 to $70 a barrel, and production... Uh-huh. I was gonna. I was gonna say that because our, our production has been hit severely. So exactly. So they can keep up. They can keep up the charade. You know, if if oil prices get to between sixty and seventy, when production goes back up, then they can keep up. The, they can keep the one ninety nine by defending it. So mm. by having enough dollars to, you know, to put on the market and keep. I mean, you won't build your reserves, and it's it's you. But you have to ask yourself. Why do you want this one ninety nine rate so much? What is it? About? I was just about to ask you yeah. why the fixation on on one ninety nine, and also if somebody like me who has like I, I don't understand maths and economics just gives me a headache. But for your articles, I don't think I'd really have much of an idea what's going on. But if somebody like me could read that and grasp the fundamental problem, why do you think it's so hard for the government or maybe the CBN to grasp it? Do you think Emefiele is essentially tied to Buhari's policies, or do you think he agrees? Because one time I read the NPC's uh, meeting, uh, the meeting notes that they released, and it was there was clear discord amongst the board members on what they should do. Do you understand? So they're like members of the board who don't think that fixing the naira so staunchly against the dollar is a good idea. But I mean, the policy has remained the same, and it hasn't changed. So is is this really what Emefiele thinks, or is it is it a political thing? Okay, I think the first thing, obviously, to notice is that the NPC is, you know, they, they, they take decisions by voting. Mm-hmm. So there are 12 people there, seven of them are from the CBN and mm-hmm. controlled by Mayfield. So you really, it, it's it, even the people who dissent are usually the outsiders, you know, and, and that's what they can really do. They can just dissent, they can't win a vote, mm-hmm. you know, without the CBNs, you know. So that's the first thing. Now, if you go back to Mayfield's comments before Buhari came into office, you know, he was clear that, look, I mean, he said stuff like, we have to devalue, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we have no choice. We have to devalue mm-hmm. because otherwise we'll run down our reserves. And he did and it partially, you know, because I remember that. Exactly, he did it mm-hmm. twice. And, you know, he mm-hmm. also said, you know, there's an upside to devaluation that it will make Nigeria's exports more, more competitive abroad. Yeah. abroad. You know, so it's supposed to, you know, point the economy in the direction of saying, okay, you know what, let's go in out, let's go earn some dollars out there. You know, mm-hmm. so we know he's had that position before. But then Buari comes in and he's completely walked away from his previous position. Now, I, I tell people that, look, fine, you might say that it is Buhari that is costing you. You are correct. You know, it's Buhari that is making him behave in that way. We know we know what Buhari thinks about, you know, we know where he's, he brings his co- uh, economic ideas from mm-hmm. and all that. You're correct. But then, you know, I ask people, will you behave in that way? Will you say one thing today? And then the next day yes, but I'm so I think I think you should cut I think you should cut a Mayfield some slack because I think you're you're looking at it from quote unquote a normal point of view. Nigeria is very far from a normal place, and I don't think it's it's done for the CBN governor, apart from Sanusi, from what I can recall, for the CBN governor to publicly be against what the president thinks. You know, a president that a president that has articulated a position. You know, he can't come out and say, forget that. 
you know, I think the guy's wrong, and here and here is why. Yeah, you, know? you don't even have to publicly state it. You don't even have to come out and shout on the paper and say, you know, but, but you don't have to. You also don't have to come out and you know enthusiastically defend something you were openly against. Just so it's your so is your problem with his position the fact that he's declaring it enthusiastically, or that he holds the position to begin with? For you know, first of all. We know that he didn't hold that position previously. Now he's coming out and taking it as if it's his own. So what it means is that, you know, there's no law, there's no version of democracy that says a president should always get what he wants. There's a Nigerian so version. I, no, no, but I mean, look, why you think, I mean, if he had his way, a lot of people who stole him money, he would have just thrown him in jail and locked the key, thrown the keys away. But we've had judges rebuke him. You know, mm. if you remember the drop question case, yes. the judge actually rebuked the EFCC and told him that, look, you must not, you must stop behaving in this way. They're dancing Galala Azonto with the law. Or exactly. And, you know, and the EFCC has been forced to back down, you know, in a number of cases, like, uh, you know, where the evidence or, you know, generally. So there's nothing that says just because somebody is president that he has to impose his views on the rest of the country. I mean, ideally in this situation, what we should have is... You know, even if he's not saying it publicly, right? I mean, what do you think a Mefiele is telling Buhari in private? Even if he's not saying I don't think a Mefiele is an SLS. I don't think he has a personal... Exactly. I don't think he have enough. Pers- I don't think he has enough personal integrity to say to Buhari, look, this thing isn't working. Exactly. I think... I, think, so, I mean, specula- speculations now. I think that he's worried about his own positions vis-a-vis a number of things that he might have done. And I think he's agreeing with Buhari in private and in public. That's, that's it, my... Exactly. So, so we have the situation whereby we all know Buhari's ideas. We know they are wrong. You know. So what we need now is to is a way to counter those ideas and say, look, Mr. Man, chill. You know, nobody elected you to be an economist, right? Mm. We knew we knew what you were. Just chill. You know, we we want we elected somebody with spine. You know, we wanted a leader who you know who could you know stand up to corruptions, you know, deal with the Boko Haram issue and provide leadership generally. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, we know you, we know you have some ideas that you know we just don't want to tell you to your face. But those mm-hmm. ideas have no business anywhere in the last fifty years. Yeah. They're dead. You know, they've been tested to destruction. But so, so what we have now, both of them, because we know what Buhari thinks, and we now know that Emefiele agrees with him and is enthusiastically going along with him. We have this mess. Whereby both of them have now driven the economy to to do. I mean, they've driven us to to a recession, basically, if you like. You know, now at least we can understand. We can say from Buari's own, Buari thinks what he's doing is the correct thing. Mm-hmm. What does a Mifile think? Does he, does a actually think? This is the correct way to do But that. I mean, it doesn't matter what he thinks. If he's publicly and privately agreeing with the president, what he thinks really doesn't matter because his actions, his actions show that his position is Buhari's position, as far as we know. He might have had he might have had an epiphany and, and realized that Buhari was right, you know, and, and decided to vote <laughs> uh, well, so, well, that, 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 But you provided <laughs> wait, you provided a nice segue just then because I think we don't want to spend our entire hour on this. Uh, Foreign exchange can it's giving me a headache. I mean, there's an upside for me because if the pound hits five, if the naira hits five hundred against the sterling, hey, happy days. But I'm going to buy half of Lagos. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, there's a larger, there's a larger picture to be seen here, and I don't think anybody wants that. Well, whether we want it or not, it appears to be happening. So we can only hope things get better. But you mentioned something just now that provides a nice segue into the next question I was going to ask you, which is. People like me, um, though I'm not officially a member of the APC and I have no plans to join, 
I'm APC leaning because I support the president, and I do think, given the choices before us at the time we made them, he was the right candidate. Okay. Um, however, my impression of what we were going to get and what we've gotten couldn't be more different. I mean, the way that I thought it, and perhaps this is my faults because Bahari wasn't exactly vocal during campaign season. It was just a lot of us kind of just transmitting what we hoped to get onto him. You know, like he essentially was his history and what we hoped in the future. There was nothing in the present during campaign season to show us what he thought for Nigeria going forward, apart from anti-corruption, of course, and going back to, to farming and the mines. Um, so I thought, you know, President Buhari will face, like you said, corruption and, and being a strong leader that people could believe and look forward to, you know, and look up to rather. Bring some integrity back into Asarok, yeah? I thought he'd face that. And younger people, more current people would face the problem of uh, the economy, technology, etc., etc. But that doesn't seem to be the case. And I am so very disappointed. Because every time I see Lai Mohammed speak, every time I see that, um, uh, that uh, technology or communications minister speak, I get a headache. Because it's so obvious that they are from an era that's gone. Okay? And... Do you think there's any hope that Buhari will realize that he needs more men and women of today in his government? That's essentially what I'm trying to ask. Okay, um, I mean, me and you both, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not a member of the ABC, but I mean, obviously I support them. I, I actually gave money to the party, you mm. know, and, you know, I want them to do well, definitely. I mean, I, I, to an extent, I've, I've risked my own reputation on them as well, you mm -hmm. know. So, you know, but to come to your point, you know, Buhari... He didn't just keep quiet. He actually played along with that narrative at some point. You know? So I remember there was a there was a meeting, there was a like a town hall he had with the organized private sector in Lagos. Yes, and I watched that. It, it was on China. You know, he yeah, made a speech that. at that time, and you know, and he actually stressed in the speech that look, we will run an economy that gives more room to market forces. You know, it was like music to my ears. But again, by that time, I, I suppose. By that time, I wasn't. I was. My head was in the clouds or something. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's possible that somebody just wrote the speech and handed it to him. To, to probably, him. But, probably. You know, but, but again, the words came from his mouth. You know. So anyway, so now we've come to this thing. We've got this um, type of government whereby he's he's rewarded he's rewarded loyalty in some cases in in very annoying cases. I mean, someone like you know Adebayo Shitu, it, it's it's an insult you know to have to take one of the most dynamic sectors of the economy, which is actually immune to all these problems we're facing. You know, it, it, I mean, the tech, you know, technology and communication and all that stuff is actually, in a way, shielded from this whole business of, you know, foreign exchange crisis. If anything, yeah. the tech guys, you know, Nigeria might even be able to export tech stuff. You know, you, mm -hmm. don't, you don't need to build roads to be able to do, you know, to be able to earn foreign, foreign exchange from selling tech services abroad, you know, so, but to now hand that kind of sector, and then I give it somewhere like Adebayo, it's so irritating, mm. it's annoying, I mean, this guy, you know, wouldn't, I mean, that guy has no business anywhere he hasn't. in a sector he like hasn't. that, he hasn't. He hasn't. you know, so that's the first thing, you know, so you've had, you have this guy, and then you have Audubon as well, you know, just all these people coming up. You know, all these they, old they, people. They, all they, these old you know, people. I think, I, think, I, think one of the, I think one of the problems is, a, is it's sort of like a cultural problem. You know? People have ideas in Nigeria, and until recently, maybe with social media and all those kind of stuff, people, ideas are never challenged. So mm. you can grow 50, 50 years, 
there's one the same ideas and nobody will call you out on it. Nobody will challenge you. So it's only until recently whereby, you know, maybe a minister will say something and somebody will give him instant feedback. Mm. You know, people have always had these funny ideas. I mean, you know, they just think that they can do it. But now you can actually laugh at their faces and say, you know, what is this you're talking about? And then all of a sudden, maybe the ones that are quick learners might pick up something or they double down. You know, that like you feel like you are... You are they take it as an assault and they just double down on you, you know. So, but I mean, again, it is quicker to expose failed ideas these days. Mm. So, so we have this problem, and then he's brought some of those people back in. I mean, he, he, to be honest, you know, in a cabinet of in Nigeria, given Nigeria's history, mm. if you're going to have a cabinet of 25 people, you know, five people, if you're lucky. Yes, well, let those five let those five people head the ministries exactly. that we exactly. that are really crucial. You you know, so all you, if you have five performers, you've done well. Yeah. You know, even I mean, in Obasanjo's time, when when he did, you know, the the, the period when Obasanjo achieved some things, when he achieved some, I mean, it was always it was never really more than four or five people, really. Hmm. You know, you know, I mean, even Lagos, they said at that time when they said um. Tinubu's first cabinet, people first always said that Tinubu's first cabinet was actually superior to the federal cabinet. Even mm. at that, you know, it was five, five, you, you, four, five, six people, you know, who are the stars, who are the, you know, you always have, you always have the stars, you always have the laggards, and, you know, you always have the people who are just there because, you know, the president owes somebody a favor or something. I mean, no, that's, 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 that's politics everywhere. There, yeah, you yeah. have to be, ha- so, there has so, to be a balance between loyalty and competence. Yeah. The, it, Lucky yeah. is a president who manages to find both in the same person. You know, I mean, I think our AG, highly questionable, communication minister, highly questionable, information minister, highly questionable. I can go on and on. The problem is there doesn't seem to be enough people who are competent. Well, I mean, if you go by the rule of five, you can probably count five people who are... Please please tell us the five you think are especially competent. So, okay, okay. I mean, fashion love for one. I mean, Mm. you know, he's, he's struggling a bit, but I mean, nobody can say he doesn't have... A, a, a methodical and serious approach to, to the work he's doing. You know, so you can count him as one. I mean, uh, Geoffrey Oyema, the, the foreign minister, came with a very good CV. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe he's struggling. He's still, I mean, he hasn't found his feet as well. Um, okay, no, 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 I mean, nobody's going to say okay. What's his portfolio? Uh, trade and investment. Okay. You know, so but how can he? Case. How can he function? How can he perform with this FX? The 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 specter of this FX can he loom in over him? So he's been handicapped by the CBN and Bahari, essentially, as far as I can see. He, he, he can't. He can't even do anything right now. You know, I mean, his job is to basically make Nigerian investment destination. His job is to make. Nigeria but how? Who's going to so bring them nothing, money? Yeah, exactly. So there's nothing he's going to do. I mean, he's just he's barking at a wall, really. You know, so mm-hmm. I mean, whatever he does, the CBN policies just trump that. So, you know, again, you need to have this alignment. You, you need to have, I mean, basically, you're not making it work easy. You know, so I mean, you could probably count four or five people who should, on paper, you know, who should on paper be able to, you know, tackle the task that's been given to them. Even Dan Bazal, you know, I mean, Dan Bazal has a PhD in criminology. You know, he's um, he's a he's a thoughtful person. He's he's well read. So, mm-hmm. in theory, ideally, I mean. He should be able 
to handle the portfolio he's been given internal affairs you know he should be able to, yeah, but internal that. affairs is where actually to be honest everything has come to a confluence now you've got problems in the northeast in the yep. in the north central in the southeast in the south yep. south i mean i think yep. that the southwest is the only region that isn't currently given any problems and it's not going to take so long for that to change as the economy worsens you know yep. and you're saying this fellow is particularly competent but internal affairs is, is actually supposed to be it's supposed to be i mean i mean he, he's supposed to be a thoughtful person you know so i mean you look at his cv and say okay you know this job that he's been given he should be able to at least handle it you know, be, okay uh, okay, if we set the bar low enough, we can say it should, be, it should at least be an improvement on Abamoro. But you is know? he thus far? I Thus far, I would say no. So far, I, I, I mean, so far, I don't know. I haven't seen him do anything. You know I mean? Where he hasn't even done anything for us to say, okay, you know, maybe he, the only thing so far, since he's been in charge, I mean, the highlights of his his time in office so far has been that guy who was polishing his shoes and the video came Precise, out. You know, precisely. Like Precisely. You know, so, 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 I mean, you can't even, there's actually nothing. He hasn't made a policy proposal. You can say, okay, we can judge him on this. Okay. On this so I have a question for you. This this question yeah. I've I've asked myself recently, and I think this is my mere culpa. I've had, I've had to eat a larger, a rather large slice of humble pie on this. Um, when Bahari started making his appointments, personal appointments, mind you now, not cabinet appointments, you know, so you've got the SGF, his uh and other other Asarok appointments, yes. I was I was I was one of those who said competence trumped everything else. You know, so there was no need for like regional and ethnic balance and whatever have you. But now I think I was wrong. Um I think I think I was wrong because I think the president is especially myopic and I think it does the country no good to have people who mirror his own thoughts and his own outlook and who come from the same region as him, essentially, which is what we have. I think the people who said otherwise at the time are right. Because I think there is a dire need for Buhari to hear something different than what he thinks. And there is nothing that shows me that he's currently getting that right now. Because the APC, the larger APC, has been shunted to the side and is essentially Buhari's coterie who whispered to him. So given that, what I've just said now, what do you think about that? What do you think at the time, if you know what you know now at the time, what would your position be? Well, I mean, I think that's um, slightly, only slightly harsh. Mm. Say, so I mean, so you're talking about the SGF, for example. I think the problem with the SGF is not even region. He gave the guy the job based on loyalty. I mean, Buhari is from the northwest. This guy is from the northeast. You know, so it's, it's not really. It wasn't even an ethnic thing. It was a more of a loyalty thing, and it's annoying. You know, so he's is the same. You can is from the same playbook where he picked out Adebayo Shito. You know, he's known these people for a while. No, we're not talking cabinet positions now. I said we're talking the people who have his ear. The people who I mean, obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. your your friends are your friends or whatever. Okay, well. Well, okay, so when it comes to the kicking cabinet, I mean, everybody, every every leader has that, you know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Obama has Valerie Jarrett, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have people who have the president's ears, who, who float around, you know. They might not have a, a cabinet position. They might not have a, you know. So, you always have those. Well, so, that, you know, that's what I'm who, saying. There are people that he that are his friends and his, you know, ideas bank or whatever. He didn't have to appoint them to particular positions. Those people won't yeah. go away because he's president. They will always be there. But people who occupy Asarok in his personal appointments, I think there's a problem there because the president is only hearing yeah. his own voice by all accounts. Well, true, true. He's, um, I mean, he he probably, he, he has to, I think he places 
maybe too high a premium on people he can trust. So, mm. I mean, you know, Nigeria is a very, very funny place. And mm. I guess from what I've heard, I mean, this is just anecdotal stuff, but I mean, a couple of people have already let him down. So mm. I guess, I don't know if that will make him widen his net or even shrink it further. I don't know. You know, but again, you're right. You know, he's picked out some, some characters who... I mean, we don't even know all of them, for example. We know one of them, I guess the one we all know is probably his uncle, Mama Dara, who, who was with him the last time and who seems to be with him again this time around. Yeah, obviously, he trusts the guy. Um, I don't know I don't know what vintage Mama Dara's ideas are from. Mm. You know, I don't know how much influence he has, but it's pretty safe to say he has a lot of influence. So, you know, they're going to, I mean, if I've heard someone say that, you know, one of the reasons why he was vulnerable to IBB kicking him out the first time was partly because of Mama Dara, you know, again, he, he, he played too much and, you know, the circle was was too tiny and people mm. just felt they were too parochial and he didn't see it coming. Yeah, I mean, it's up to him, you know, again, this is a democracy. I assume he understands the point that in four years' time, in three years' time, he's going to have to face the voters again if he wants to, you know, continue, if he wants to do it the same way. I don't know. Well, I mean, that's something. But again, all the decisions he's taking, at least this time around, we're in a democracy. It's not a military regime. All these decisions, they have consequences. And mm. voters will make their choice. For... Look, good luck, Jonathan never recovered from occupying Nigeria. Sure. The, name, the name clueless stuck for three years. Sure. And he never, he never recovered, from, recovered from it. So, you know, Buhari, all the things he's doing now, they are building up. You know, there are, they are consequences. I don't know. Maybe he plans to finish super strong where he will have a, a blinder of the final 18 months. Well, good, good luck to the, him. The, the, you know, the, the Niger Delta Avengers willing, that is, because the way exactly, things are going. That's I said, good luck to him. Maybe, maybe that's his plan. But, you know, everything being done now, the appointments, you know, the... The forex policy, the dilly dallying, the wasting of time, the, the the kind of you know the wasting time to to appoint people, all those things are. This is a democracy. That still all hurts those, me. Exactly, all those things. You know, I mean, at the time I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I thought I, you know, I thought there must have been a larger reason why the delay yeah. was occurring. I was no, ready. Exactly, he put his faith in the civil service. And, I mean, anyone could have told him that. Look, these guys are going to lay you down. But mm-hmm. hey, anyway, we now know that was a mistake and was a, just a, a waste of time. Mm-hmm. You know, again. It was his cho- it was it was his choice to waste six months of his own four years. You know, those those decisions will be waiting for him in twenty nineteen. So, you know, it's a democracy, you know, people are not people will remember and you know, at the end of the day, people will ask themselves in twenty nineteen, was it worth it? You know, are we better off under this guy after four years? And they'll make that decision. Somebody else will come along and will exploit the mistakes he's made. Yes. Somebody, you know, it's a, so so it's a, there's that valve. You know, in a democracy, if if this was a dictator where we couldn't kick him out, uh, we could be, I'll be worried that, you know. But again, four years is, uh, you know, ideally, you know, we shouldn't have to go through suffering just because of him. You know, we shouldn't. The economy shouldn't have to. Wow. But again, you know, a lot of things that, everything that could possibly go wrong. Yes, I mean, look, I think, I think, from my experience, your average Nigerian is has a lot, a lot of time, for pain. They will go through a lot of pain if you talk to them and you tell them why that is. From what I know, Buhari is a rubbish communicator. He's extremely stubborn. He's parochial, 
and he's dismissive. So you've got all these things. I mean, the, his only saving grace right now is that the PDP is at loggerheads and they just don't even exist and we don't have a viable opposition party. That's the only thing saving him right now, as far as I can see, because there are so many avenues a serious opposition could exploit and make his life a whole lot more difficult. But he's getting away with all these things because there's nobody to challenge him, really. I mean, Just, and the PDP, they don't, they don't know if they're coming or going yeah. at the moment. So. And that's, that's our bad. That's, that's, that's... But it, it, won't be, it won't be that way for the whole for you. Trust me, Nigerian politicians, uh, they know how to realign themselves. So in 20, by the time we get to 2018, you know, all the people who are unhappy with him will find a new umbrella, you know, okay. while he's on that and, you know, make his life... Yeah, you know, so again, like I said, you know, it is up to him. You know, it is, this is not, you cannot just do things and just think you'll get away with that. You know, voters will remember. You know, right now, people have a lot of time for him. You know, I mean, if Fred was in a taxi um, a couple of weeks ago and he said that the guy, he said the taxi driver was telling him that, you know, that, look, let's just accept this 145 dollar per liter. That I know that if Wari could make it 10 dollar per liter, he would do it. So for him to do this one forty five naira per liter, you know, it, it means that it is out of his hands. He can't do it. And my friend was said was was kind of amazed, you know, that this is a taxi driver actually. Now the president has not told you this, but people are making up the story for him because when they believe he, the guy. He, again, that is not going to happen for him. And after mm. a while, people are going to get tired of making up stories for him. Yep. You know, so you know, it's up to him to know how he's going to communicate. You know how he's going to talk to Nigerians, and you know, know how to make decisions that. You know, all things considered, that I mean, even if they are painful, but then you know, let people understand why they have to be done. You know, so. I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. The communication needs to improve dramatically. Like, it has to be such a marked improvement that Femi Additional just is never heard of again, or heard from again. I think again, that, that yeah. was another useless appointment. You of know, course, like, wanna, loyalty. Just, just a loyalty appointment. I mean, mm-hmm. that guy is so bad; it is unbelievable. You know, but hey, he still has a job, and, and, and from what I even understand, I think he probably has, even has the president's ears. So oh, you know, you can just imagine it. <laughs> oh but God! I, personally, I don't. I think that I don't. You know, I don't buy the argument that Buhari is stubborn in transit. Of course, I mean he's he's strong-willed. You know, I mean you you wouldn't want a leader who is uh, who you just tell one thing and then he changes his position. Yeah, yeah. But again, he's from everything I've known. Even when he was a military leader, you know, he he's open to, you know, arguments. Mm. You know, you can he won't bite your head off just for arguing with him. So it's a shame that, you know, those who have access right now, you can imagine, you know, if Mefele has access, what is he telling him? Femi Additional has access, what is he telling him? I mean, Femi Additional, I saw an article he wrote today where he was saying something like, there's no suffering or something for Yeah, the, the country should be grateful that Buhari... Exactly. So, so that's another person who has access. What is he telling Buhari? He's probably telling Buhari that people are, you know... They are They're quite okay, yes, yes, yes. You know, so again, you know, I think when I wrote... Last year when he came, I wrote, you know, when I wrote that couple letter to me, like, you know, you, I, I actually quoted some Islamic scholars and said, look, you have to step out of that bubble. It's so easy to capture a president. It is too easy. You know, I mean, the, you have to make the effort to, to step out of that bubble and hear things, mm. you know. Hear different That's things. very, otherwise, very important. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you know, yeah, just gonna be you I mean, look at what happened to Good Lord Jonathan. He, he probably only found out that Nigerians didn't like him when the results came in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was when he found out, you know. I mean, remember when um, Wallace Winka said he went to him about the whole Morocco thing? Yes, the, yes, and he was very said, surprised, yes. He, he, he didn't know about it. So, you know, God knows you can imagine how they captured him, 
you know, and we're telling him things, and probably they were, I mean, they were probably telling him that you are going to win this thing. No, I mean, I, I've read that they were removing pages from newspapers before they handled the murder. Uh, it is, it's, it's possible, it's possible, you know, it's possible. You know, so they were probably just, you just kept on telling him that you are going to win this thing in a landslide, mm. and then the results come in, and the guy is surprised. Well, I mean, good on him, at least. He took, took the results, and he, you know, he went. So, so again, you know, that there is nobody that is going to do that work for Buari other than Buari himself. If he wants to, he needs to stay. If all these people are telling him things that confirm what he already believes, in, that's that. That is a sign on your own that you know. Let me look for somebody that disagrees with me. You know, I've heard that Kachuku has arguments with him. Good. You know, I mean, this is. This is what I've heard. I've heard that Kachuku. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable enough thinking that this oil price um, increase was Kachuku's idea, telling him, "Look, Oga, we have no money." Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, and, and at least you know that. And even if anything, you know that Kachuku never came out and started saying something like, you know, we believe in subsidy. You know, he never believed in it. He, he's a private sector guy. He believes in deregulation. So he never came out and stated positions that just. Well, like opposite of what you think he actually believes in. He never came out and said, Oh, you know, you know that he actually, first of all, he moved us to price modulation, mm. you know, and then from price modulation moved away from, and then the subsidy was taken off. So at least that kind of person, you can know that even if he's kneeling down and talking to Buari, he's not going to tell, he's, I, I doubt he's telling Buari stuff like, Oh, Mr. President, this subsidy, mm. your idea is, is, you know, is the best idea. I don't, I don't think so. So again, ideas are. They are, those are what they are, you know, unless you challenge them, you know, people can get away with holding crazy ideas for a very long time. Yeah. It is in this, you know, and we need to, thankfully, we're having some of that now, you know, maybe social media and even in newspapers, but we need to have this thing whereby, you know, people's ideas are challenged and then so that we can refine them. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, otherwise, you know, somebody, you just, somebody will just wake up, you just realize, ah, this guy, where are you coming from? That yeah. thing has expired a while ago. Yeah. Where are you coming from? Hey, but nobody ever challenged it. You know, mm. so you can see, you can see the president, for example, saying stuff like, you know, I don't want to murder the Naira, you know, we I should mean, not break it. I mean, I mean. Namoros dresses. I mean, all of us cringed when he said those kind yeah. of things. But hey, did you challenge it? You know, since he has been out of office. I mean, no, it's, it's, it's our media. It's our media that will yeah, do the challenging. If, exactly. if, if the people around him are essentially thinking the way he's thinking, yeah. you know, so it's... Mm. Right, so I asked the audience for some questions for you, and I got a few. I got one from Maze the Mouth, at Maze the Mouth. He says, what important opinions have you held and perhaps shared with the public, but you discovered to be wrong? And how did you rectify that? Mm, okay, so obviously, during Occupying Nigeria, I supported, the, um, the, I, I supported keeping the subsidies. Mm-hmm. Not because, I mean, the economics made sense to me, mm-hmm. you know. Remove subsidy, obviously, or sometimes, but you know, I I felt that you know we needed to extract something out of government, you know, yeah. because uh, and you know, again, looking back now, you can tell that look, if we had given these guys more money, the money they would have taken it, yeah, but but you know, after the whole debates, mm-hmm. you know, there was something I saw that you know staggered me. So I'm, I mean, I'm an accountant here, and part of what I do is. I build systems, you mm-hmm. know, procedures in place by, you know, basically how we get information from one place and how we process that information all the way into making it maybe a set of accounts or mm-hmm. a set of a report mm-hmm. and just making sure that everything is okay. So mm-hmm. we, we're building checks and, you know, and all, all that kind of thing in place. Now, I saw something that um, one of the accounting firms, I think it was Deloitte, they did for the whole subsidy. And I think it was about 
30 checks. So to collect subsidy in that time, mm -hmm. there were about 30 different steps you had to follow. Mm -hmm. You know, and each each one had a signature whereby you had to sign off and say, okay, this has been done. Mm -hmm. You know, right down to say somebody saying, I saw the ship coming. Yeah. You know, another person, you know, so I mean it was if you had asked me as an accountant to build a system to make sure that, you know, there was minimized corruption with around the subsidy, I could not have done better than that. Yeah. You know, so it was the on paper, the the, the, the process was was okay. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, empty ships came in and collected subsidies. Yeah. yeah. And ships ships that never came collected subsidy. Yeah. You know, so obviously that means that the person who is supposed to sign up and say, I saw the ships coming. Was compromised then. Oh, exactly. So, I mean, when the system has been so, when when the whole thing is such a mockery like that, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I stood back and I wrote an article about it. I said, look, you know, at that point, you know, I mean, there was no justification for this subsidy anymore. I had, mm -hmm. This one, the handshake that has gone beyond the elbow, mm -hmm. you know, so I, so I walked back, you know, I walked back that, that, that position and said, look, you know, having seen the scale of the corruption, that mm -hmm. was in it, you know. I mean, sometimes in life, there are no good choices. Yeah, true. You know, you I know. So, so, I mean, so, it, I think, you know, looking back, now, that was just one of those ones, you know. Okay. You, you keep the subsidy, they rob you. you. You release the subsidy, they don't rob you. Which one is the, you know, All the right. bad? You know, so. I get that. So, yes, so, so, yes, I think that was probably more of the more cool. obvious one. Yeah. I've got another question from you from at Joel's. She asked... What are your thoughts on the Akara, Agbujedi, and Inyokolobe sectors? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think what we are seeing with with fire is uh, is an interesting experiment. You know? Mm. You know, so obviously the governor is governing by the lowest common denominator. Yes. You know, and so you know Agbujedi is a sector, Inyokolobe is a sector. Yeah, fine, you know. At the end of the day. I think there's a deep there's a deeper question to be asked about mm -hmm. this stuff. You know, democracy does not say that. You know, it, it is it is it is a way to curb our worst instincts. Mm. It is not it is not it's not a it is, first of all democracy is not a tribal headcount whereby right. whereby you know the person with the highest number of tribe members should always win. No, it is also it is also not a way for us to indulge our worst behavior because right. humans are no humans need curbs that's right yes. we, need, we need curbs otherwise I mean if you let things get out of hand so democracy is a way for us to you know slow down our bad behavior and but what we've seen in Ikiti is that you know the democracy has been turned on its head you know, mm -hmm. because people might you might say that fire show was elected, but actually that's not what democracy is about. You know, it's not you are not supposed to have democracy is not supposed to deliver a result whereby somebody is appealing to base instincts and making a whole mockery of the system. What well, I mean is Donald only Trump or Donald Trump will tell yeah, you that yeah, you're wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so again we're seeing this thing, we're seeing this thing happening. So it's it's supposed to be a serious thing, but hey, fire show is um he's taking governance to interesting places. Okay. You know, it's an experiment. Um, at the end of four years, well, no run, no, I, I mean, in a way, I would have said, you know, it would have been interesting to see if he was running for a second time. It would have been interesting to see if this whole nonsense would be rewarded with another term. But you know, now he will go for the Senate, and then that way you would test his popularity. I mean, he went the last yeah. time he came third, but that was under yeah. different, different yeah. circumstances. He will try yeah. again. So, um, yeah. so I've got another one. I've got actually in total five questions for you. So this is the third one from. Duchess Jingjum, she says, 
What would you have proffered as immediate fiscal and monetary policies at the beginning of Buhari's tenure? So three things. Okay. First thing, I would have floated the currency. Mm-hmm. I blame Ben Goodluck for everything. Yep. You know, said he, he made a mess of the whole thing. He stole all the money. He left no reserves. I have no choice. I have to float the currency. Mm-hmm. You know, and then take the take the hits, take the pain. Mm-hmm. You know, that way, you know, the, the you would have gotten inflows of currency. So mm-hmm. as long as currencies are properly priced, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the markets would have loved you for that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you can see what has happened with the Argentine president. So that would have been the first thing. The second thing I would have done would be to, to pro, as a make an effort to tell Nigeria that look. You know all these things that are diff- that make it diff- a lot of things that make it difficult, even if they're symbolic, but things that make it difficult for you to participate in your own economy. Mm. You know, whereby a lot of Nigerians can participate. You know, stuff like maybe even if it's just CAC mm. or maybe license fees or things that are banned from you to do. Basically, telling Nigerians that look, this economy now belongs to you. You know, as long as the thing is not nothing is banned, as long as it's not criminal. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as it's not illegal, have a go. You know, have a go. See what you can do to make this country better. That's a good tagline. Encourage you. Have a go. <laughs> yeah, you know. So yeah, that's it. So basically, you know, it's your country too. You know, I mean, and the government will not be able to do everything alone. That's you know, right. You know, so so I think that will be the you know, and then basically preaching the gospel of markets. You know, saying that look, you know, it is better for things to be determined by the interaction of people. Mm. Rather than saying somebody sitting somewhere and saying determining that okay this is what how we should do it basically making government less predatory yeah you know so so now you have right now yeah I mean if you want to get anything out of government you know people want to you know extract as much you know out of you as as they can you know mm-hmm. so basically a lot of it might it's, it probably maybe a lot of the work might be rhetoric mm. you know whereby we start to speak in a different way. Yeah. You know, letting Nigerians, first of all, letting Nigerians know that look, this economy also now belongs to you. Yeah. You know, you it, 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 you are you are everyone is a shareholder in it. Yeah. You know, do what you can, and we will not stop you. You know, <laughs> and and we're and we're moving away from a system whereby government tries to fix this, fix that, and makes a mess of everything. To where you know, it is the interaction of Nigerians that determines what's happening. Yeah. You know, what happens with it? Yeah. I mean, I think those are good ideas. The only ones that I would add would be, well, just one actually, would be to have looked to real, uh, to heal the rift in the country, actually. Uh, I think the country is quite divided along ethnic and regional lines right now. Yeah. And I yeah. think, yeah. I think it behooved Buhari at the time he was elected to have sought to have sought to heal that. Unfortunately, we overlooked it, and it seems to yeah. be getting worse. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's the doctrine of what they call the power of the grand gesture. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, I mean, right from Lincoln, Lincoln chose um, Seward, who was his opponent one time, and made him Secretary of State. Obama took that, you know, chose Clinton, made her Secretary of State. So there, there's that thing you can do, the grand gesture, where yeah. you do something big. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you you be the bigger guy, you know. Yeah. You can, and there there are many ways to do it. You know, I could yeah. I could say I'm, I'm moving the presidency to for a month to the southeast, and I'm going to campaign one state today, and I'll you know I'll be. I'll I mean, be again, it, it goes back to the point I was saying to you earlier. When the people around you essentially mirror your own thoughts, it's hard yeah. for these for these grand ideas to come to filter through. You know, I yeah. mean, I think 
that is a major problem that we have and I think it's really going to affect how the government itself performs in the coming years. Yeah. Unfortunately... Yeah, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do empathy very well. No, you know, so. no, we don't. I mean, but so, he's learned. I mean, actually, I think he's, he's, he's learned a bit to be a bit more empathetic in his public uh, statement. But yeah, as far, as I far... mean, he, You can see the whole thing with the um, Chibok girl. Mm-hmm. However, they bungled parts of it. You can mm-hmm. see he was, it was an attempt to actually just you know show a bit more empathy yes, you know that yes. saying like look you know let's let's bring this girl here you know mm-hmm. carrying the baby and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing so yeah so like you said you know the pressures are there again it's good you know we're in a democracy now so the feedback is instant yes, you know? yes. people are they are getting quick feedback and they probably learn on so so yeah so he might there's hope that he might improve but then the a grand gesture will be good yeah, it, it, it's still not yeah. too late i mean i i, yeah, I still yeah, i still i still think um i think i was saying this to his his excellency the executive secretary of the lagos state employment trust fund uh, <laughs> yes. your body. Yes. I, was, I was saying to him that uh, the the employment scheme idea that the the presidency has it would not be a bad idea to launch that in the southeast you know because that's one of our major industrial hubs you know they really know what they're talking about when it comes to employment in that area so it wouldn't be a bad idea to launch that then to learn from the people who are doing things who are keeping busy who are keeping employed and to look to roll that out you know, countrywide, etc. Because that's playing to people's strength and that's also flattering people because essentially when people want representation is a form of flattery, right? They see themselves in the person who's representing them. Having the government come down there and do something like that would mean that they're being heard. And this is a small thing and it shouldn't cost the government that much. But let's see let's see if they actually heed that and, and, and they do it. I mean I I know it's my idea, but I think it's a good idea, and it doesn't cost anything. So, you know, yeah. th- that's, there's that. I also have another question for you. Yep. Oh, from Shung Olashukbo. She says, what would you do if you got a 30-minute dinner invite with your man crush Monday, Alhaji Putin? <laughs> Uh, well, no, that would be, I mean, well, I guess the, the, the number one challenge would be to to make sure that you know I come out of it intact without getting slapped. <laughs> you know, but, but I think uh, you know the, uh, how it just be one question I have to ask. Uh, I have to ask him that. You know, Nigeria has been good to you. You know, not many people can say that Nigeria has been good to you. It allows you do so many things that you cannot do in other places. Mm-hmm. Why are you so aggressive in avoiding paying taxes? You know, because this has gone beyond. I mean, they, you can say, look. Obviously, everyone has a right to... It's part of business. Everyone has a right to minimize the amount of tax they pay. It's not fun. Paying tax is not fun. I know. Whatever, it's whatever very painful. Exactly. But then you can go another level whereby it is so aggressive, the way you're doing that, you know, you, you it means that you have such a deep view of the state whereby you don't feel that they are worth... Look, at one point... Right, John Rock, John D. Rockefeller. He paid more taxes than he was than he owed. He deliberately did it, and this is aside all the philanthropy he was doing. Mm. You know, so I think the question I'm asking that for a country that has been so good to you, that has made you the world's richest black man, allows you sell your cement for three times uh, the global prices. You know, gives you forex at subsidized rate. Allow. I mean, you have the ears of you. You've walked into Rock for maybe three or four different presidents now. You know, they, they boast about you and everything. Why are you so aggressive in avoiding paying your taxes? When the law for pioneer taxes was done, pioneer status was done, 
did he really say that you you get pioneer status for building a plant and then when you extend that same plant you buy a new machine you you claim the pioneer status again why do you have to go that far to avoid your taxes um, what are you telling i think i mean in his defense i can't really offer a defense but in his defense he will look we will all seek to go as far as as appealing to our altruistic side or to our nationalist side, whatever, doesn't really matter. We will all seek to go as far as we can, and it's up to the law and the government to push us back. When the government is at when his government is is, is at his mercy because he finances their campaigns or he pays for whatever whatever a uh, 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 translucent translucent project they've got going on, then they'll do what he wants. This is why you you take it right back to the roots. You need clear and transparent. Um, uh, 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 finance campaign reforms. You need all these things in place so Nigeria is not sold to Dangote at his at his uh, leisure. You know, so it's true. I mean, it's not that, his fault. Important. It's the government's no, fault. It's the system's well, then, fault. Does he not have agency? You know, I mean, I agree. Agency is money I, these days. I know. I, I, I agree. I agree that you know. I mean, it's up to the government to push him back and all that. But then, you know, why do you have such a dim view? Of the Nigerian state. He's going to tell you that he's one of the largest employers in the country. He's not. He's not. But he, he's that's not. what he's going to say. That's what but he's going he, to but, say. But, and that's what a lot of people parrot. Yeah, Dangote no, employs a, a lot of people. Fact. You can verify the fact. You know, his company across Africa, not just Nigeria now, across Africa, the cement company employs 10,000 people, not oh, just wow. Nigeria. Oh, wow. That, 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 yeah, that few? Yeah, that's what it is. You know, it's not, this is not, um, they didn't, it's not um, backhand information. It's in his results. It's there. Mm. 10,600 people across Africa. So, so I mean, I don't know what the number for Nigeria is, but probably 8,000 for the cement business. So, you know, it's not a business of, you know, I mean, it's not, this is not something that, you know, is it, made up. If he says he's the largest employer, you can open his accounts and show him that. Do you consider this to be, you know, the kind of return that you feel that, okay, this, does, do you consider this in a country of 180 million people? Do you consider this 10,000 jobs? Okay, wait, let me like, let me ask you. What benefits does Nigeria derive from Dangote? No, no I know I know that you're passionately annoyed about his tax position, but try to like just answer this from a very fair point of view. What benefits does Nigeria derive from Dangote? I have no idea. I have no idea. Because, you know, look, other countries have also have created billionaires. You know, mm. But you sort of have... A kind of agreement mm. you know there's a deal in place i don't know for in the case of nigeria you know what was the deal mm. you know will make you rich what would you give back not, mm. you, you know right now a lot of people are they are making it up as they go along you mm. know so you can see people are retrofitting their arguments to a situation that has already happened yeah. so for example now the guy is rich he sells the cement expensive you know what was the deal nobody knows so people will say oh he employs he employs people when you tell them the job number they move they move to another argument and say, oh, he's investing. You know, at least other people, other, why are other people not investing? I saw somebody say something like, you know, others are sleeping. You know, why, you know, so there's no, I, I don't know, it's up to, it's up to Nigeria. I mean, I'm, like I'm, I said, I'm troubled. No... I'm troubled, I can't lie, because he's now bought land, I think, uh, near my grandmother's ancestral home. His refinery is going to be there. Yes, I had to say that because this is something that really does bother me. Let property rights in Lagos are a serious issue for me, but that's aside. He's now bought the land. I'm sure he got it almost virtually. He paid virtually next to nothing for it. He's going to get, again, pioneer status, so he's not going to pay taxes. The refinery is going to employ very few local and very few Nigerians altogether. 
And that's something else in his basket. I, I suppose it saves it saves us forex because you know it's at home. You know, but, you know, if if Dangote was an exporter, mm-hmm. right? If he was if he was exporting cement, you know, if Nigeria was a big exporter of cement, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest, that covers for me personally that covers a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. You know, if he, but he's not. He's, I mean, he's not. He's he's got a protected market. And when you think about it, why should he really export the stuff you're selling for one thousand five hundred in Nigeria? Mm. Because it sells for five hundred naira outside. There's no incentive. So we there was like I said, there was no deal. You know, when the Koreans did the thing, when General Park did the whole thing with um the billionaires in those days, and you know, I mean, he actually created a national exporting day, and he built he I, mean, I wrote you know he refurbished the prison, and said that look, you guys. I'll give you a protected market. You'll be able to sell your stuff, you know, but you must export. I mean, there were they were clear targets, mm. you know, because he knew that the one thing you cannot rig is exporting. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't lie that you exported something and, and you actually didn't export. So, you know, that was the deal. And, you know, these guys had to, you know, they had to they had to find ways to export their cars, mm-hmm. their steel, and everything. And that was the deal. You know, that made Korea what it is to so I don't know what Nigeria's deal is with Dangote. I don't know. You know, mm. all I can see is that you know he he he's got a protected market to sell his stuff. He doesn't have to export. He doesn't have to pay taxes. He doesn't have to employ people. I don't know what the deal is. He gets subsidized forex. I don't know what does Nigeria get out of it. It seems that the only thing Nigeria seems to be getting out of it is pride. That's it. No, but that that pride is not filtering downward. I'm sorry. It's only yeah, got, I mean, yeah. uh, President Jonathan boasted of having Dangote. You know, yeah, yeah, one yeah. Of his, I, I was there. I was, uh, he was the very proud. Make for him. He was very Abuja. proud. He said it on the stage there. And, you know, my mouth, my mouth was wide open. I was like, he said it that, you know, if not for our policies, you know, we created Dangote and all that. So, I don't know. So And I'm seems, sure it, it won't be long before President Buhari boasts about the same thing. Because his yeah, yeah, his yeah. his policies don't aren't geared towards, I mean, look how hard it is to start a business in Nigeria. I know that's a legacy inheritance. He didn't create that. But the point is... Forex has been given to Dangote at 199 when when SMEs are closing every day. So that is instructive as to how this government views small and, and medium-sized uh, enterprises. Yeah, I so, think he knows how to appeal to to the uh, to he knows the way to catch them. Yeah. Put it that way. So basically, you give them stuff to commission. You know. So I guess that the, the, the refinery is scheduled to complete in 2018 mm-hmm. with a commissioning for 2019. So I think you know you might see that they might double up work on it just so that you know you can have something to commission. You know, and you know I mean it's a it's a big refinery project. So it's got the fertilizer thing. From me, from what I've heard, the fertilizer one is actually well ahead of. Of shadow well ahead of the, the refinery work hasn't really started. I think they're sand filling from what I've got mm. at, at the moment. But the refinery, the fertilizer one is much, you know, much more. Where advanced. is that base? So, is that the same station? They are on the same place. The same place. Okay. Um, so, so what would you do if you could? If you could rectify, quote unquote, the Stangote situation, would you liberalize the, the cement market? One, or so you get your option. You liberalize the cement market, or. If you revoke his pioneer statuses, I, I won't do it for him alone. So I will revoke pioneer status for everybody. Mm. Nigeria's tax, um, income tax, uh, corporate taxes are well over thirty percent. I mean, it's ridiculous for a country like Nigeria has no business having such high tax rates. So mm-hmm. one thing I would do is like basically wipe out all this whole pioneer status, all these fiddles, mm-hmm. you know, in the economy, and then bring down the tax rates. So if we can get to some, I mean, personally, corporation tax for me. My aim will be below twenty percent. Fifteen percent will be fine. Yeah, I'm, I was thinking fifteen. You know, as well. so so exactly. So c- cut out all these things. You know, but basically 
you know, no, 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 as many of the fiddles as you can get rid of as possible, get, get rid of them. And then, you know, for Dangote himself, look, every, anything you have, in fact, anything you're going to get, you need to start getting your cement out of Nigeria. You know, mm. people need to be able to validate this product you're selling to Nigerians. So we want people who, you have a protected market in Nigeria, but I want outsiders. So it's not, it's not a, it's not a, a normal market. Take this stuff outside and validate it. Let's mm. see. You know, let, 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 let yes, but how is that going to work when he's building factories in, uh, in Zimbabwe, Kenya, etc., etc.? Where, where's yeah, the market yeah. going to be? It's up to him. I don't know. He'll find it. You know, it's, uh, I mean, they're, they're, people buy, people are buying cement. You know, there are people that need cement. There's some people that, you know, there are countries that, uh, there's a lot of building going on in Africa, you know, you know, rather than going to build a plant out there, you need to find a way to get the cement from Nigeria, get it into those places. You know? And also so, another question I have, wouldn't the absurdity of our cement prices hit this government, considering how desperate they are to, to improve our infrastructural situation, doesn't it become apparent then that cement is far too expensive or... Would Dangote do the smart thing and give the government uh, cement at reduced prices? What do you think? Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm hoping for the penny to drop, you know. I'm hoping for the penny to drop for them and say, look, you know, first of all, you can say that, like I always say, you can say that cost of production in Nigeria is high, mm. you know, and you can also say uh, profits are high. You cannot say the two of them at the same time. Yeah. You know, so both of them cannot be true at the same time. Dangote's margins are obscene when it comes to cement i mean the romans were doing cement 2000 plus years ago you know so it's not a new product there's no invention there you know his his margins are obscene you know for for what is a, a simple and a basic product so at some point i'm hoping that the government will be able to sit down and say actually you know what you know why exactly is the margin on dangote cement that is made in nigeria why is it 50 percent Mm. You know, it, it makes no sense. So long yeah. as it keeps paying for elections, that question is not going to be asked. Uh, well, less, so, but again, like honest. I said, you know, he's he is pretty much convinced Nigerians and the government that he's he's one of the Avengers, if you like. You know, <laughs> so basically, he's doing amazing things for the Nigerian economy. So the conversation has in is maybe only just starting. You know, people mm-hmm. people never question this stuff. Mm. You know, people never bother. You know, I had a lot of people told me. So a couple of people told me that, that you know what? Now, when I did that comparison of Dangote to other cement manufacturers across the world, and you know, and I showed the fact that you know the nearest person to him was doing one third of his profits. A lot of people said that they had never actually thought about it that way. You mm. know, so maybe maybe the conversation is starting. You know, and people are actually beginning to say, okay, you know, you know, they, just ask. What is the deal for Nigeria in all of this? What is Nigeria again? Remove the pride. Once you take out pride, what else is there? It'll take a guy like you to ask. The Nigerian media is far too fawning over the guy, so that's not that question is not going to be asked anytime soon. Okay, I've got the second to the last question from Olatoye, and he says, "Unemployment, unemployment. How has this government fared so far, and what can they do to create jobs?" And I'm going to modify that question by saying, "Quickly, what can they do to create jobs quickly?" Well, I mean, the last one. What we what we can see is that you know, I mean, they are bleeding jobs. So in in quarter one, you know, the uh, the economy lost about more than more than half a million jobs. So if if what they are doing is their plan to create jobs, then they need to drop it, like you know, drop it like it's hot. Just yeah. just leave it. That thing is not working. Whatever it is they are doing. I mean, to create jobs, well, I guess the first thing is to have an open mind, mm. you know, and say, you know what free up this economy, leave this economy alone, you you are not going to know 
where jobs are going to be created is the reality. How many people are employed by social media in Nigeria today? Mm. You know, how many people are employed just to manage Twitter accounts or manage Facebook accounts, mm -hmm. manage Instagram accounts, or, or do all of them together? This job did not exist a few years ago. Yeah. You know, so, you know, how many people could have predicted that? Definitely not the government. Yeah. You know, so there, there has to be a humility to say that, you know what, we need to allow this process to happen by let Nigerians take charge of this process by freeing them up. You know, there's some part that the government can do. So, you know, massive infrastructure projects, for example. I heard that, for example, um, Julius Bega laid off, you know, Julius Bega, the kind of company that they are basically, they have a pool of staff mm -hmm. whereby, so when they have a big project, they call those people up. When there's nothing on the horizon, they let them go. So mm -hmm. it's sort of like a follow. They keep them in follow like that, mm -hmm. you know. So, I mean, right now, you know, if you start off construction projects, you can get people to work, you know. Yeah. I think that, that's, that's one of the levers that the government has. It's one of the few levers that government has to say, okay, you know, we can pump some money into the economy in terms of infrastructure, mm -hmm. you know, and, and get people to work. So that's the one they can do. Beyond mm -hmm. that, you can't just start hiring people into the civil service or, or just creating some... That's the last some, thing we need right now. Exactly. You know, so, so, they, so you know, it, it, it comes down to saying... The government has to say, okay, this is the one that is within our power. We yeah. can do this. Yeah. If we start building roads, we will employ people. If we start building houses, we will employ people. Yeah. We can do that one. But then the rest of it, you know, we have to allow the economy to be flexible enough to do it, to do it by the you know. So, you know, think who knows the kind of jobs that will happen that will be, be around in the next 5-10 years. No, we can't. I mean, we don't know. That's exactly. the thing. You but know. I think the government has to be flexible enough to allow those jobs to come into being. I mean, for example, there's a Mopicon bill, which is a really terrible idea. There's banning drones, which is a really terrible idea. So I think because the government is quite, again, once again, you know, we've got older people who don't necessarily understand what the world is right now making yeah, rules yeah. and making laws that harken back to the 80s and the and the, the, the dictatorship era. So we do have problems in that area. You know, I mean, Lai Mohammed thinks that we, we can get some, can get a lot of jobs out of masquerades. Hey, I mean, I think he's optimistic, but hey, good on him. If you can, if you can get 2,000 jobs, like you said, from one masquerade, hey, I don't know. That, I don't, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> my, 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 uh, my family house, my family house is, uh, is in Lagos Island and behind my, almost directly behind the house, not exactly directly, is a place they call Agbulioya, and there's a, there's a massacre that comes from there called Oya, and I think, from my memory, and I was a really small child then, my memory, I think there was only three people who dressed this masquerade. So, I mean, you've got to take take into account the people who made the dress or whatever, but there were only, like, three men, and they were quite revered, you know, as, like, Oya people or whatever. So three men. You need a lot of masquerades for this to pop out. Even if you're going to create just a masquerade, you need another leg. You need tourists. You need people to come out. You need, you need people to bring their dollars into the... Otherwise, you know, I mean, there's only so far, there's only so much that Nigerians locally will do. I mean, you can encourage Nigerians to, you know, do it, but then again, you need people to come out, you know, to... You, you need... It's like an export, yeah. you know? So you're, you're going to have to get people... Again, so you need to figure out the airports, yeah. you know, make custom people stop harassing people, yeah. you know? And, you know those kind of, and just basically make yourself... You know, welcome no, I, I think I think that speaks to his larger point. But the, the thing is, because there doesn't appear to be any synergy in the in, in in how Buhari is doing his thing. Because on the one hand, you've got a guy who you are sending out to attract trade and investments. On the other hand, your currency is highly overvalued. 
on on the third hand, you're you there's no aviation fuel, and you're trying to sort out the airport situation. On the fourth hand, you've got a guy who who wants to do a, a tourism and attract tourists, but your your visa situation is a mess. So all these things you need you need a cohesive plan that covers all your ministries and all your agencies, and you present that as one. So everybody's working towards the same goal. People are going off in different directions and. Policies are conflicting because one thing negates the other thing and negates the other thing. Do you understand? So it's 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 a problem, but I'm 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 hoping I'm hoping with people like you, when you keep speaking, he hears you and he he listens and he changes his ways. But that's me being a uh, very optimistic. Yeah. Mm. So thank you yeah. very 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 much for your appearance on today's show. It's been very thank you for having me. It's been very informative. But before we let you go, you have to do the thing. And I I warned you before the show that you are not allowed to diss Kiss Daniel's album. <laughs> Firstly, it would be untrue because the album is bloody excellent. And secondly, you'd be like one of a very few. So you have to choose a song that's your song of the week. Um, it has to be a Nigerian song, preferably a new song. So I don't imagine a guy like you gets a lot of time to indulge in Nigerian uh, popular culture. But do do tell us your your favorite Nigerian song of the moment. Um. Okay. Standing ovation. Tiwa Savage and Olamide. Hmm. Interesting. I hate that song. <laughs> uh, I, I like it. I mean, it I like the video. Yeah. yeah I like Olamide's Olamide's beats in it was good. I, I, I sort of I I, I kind of liked it. I liked that bit a lot. You know, it was mm. it was fun and breezy and you know it was um. If, if, if I mean, it, it allows you to appreciate some some Yoruba. The way you can play around with Yoruba words, and okay. you know, you know, you can rap in Yoruba basically. And he didn't he didn't do anything new, but he just brought it to 2016. Okay, my song yeah. of the week is "Are You Alright" by Kiss Daniel. Just because I've never ever ever heard a Nigerian pop song like this before, this is part of why people are saying. This is what I mean. <laughs> But did you did you hear what he was saying? That's why I love the song. It's the lyrics. The song is essentially a sarcastic retort to a girl he slept with one time who has now come back because you know she was looking for him, and she and he's saying to her, salary me," you know that kind of thing. So he's saying to her, "You can dance." No, that's what he's telling her. Like you too like money, Torio wo fair laji. So he's saying to her, like, look, there's nothing over here, but if you want to dance, please go ahead. Kind of thing. Yeah. So I'd never it's heard... A, yeah, it's a nice song. I actually like that one. I went back and listened to it. Aha! Music. You see? Yeah. So, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> that is my song of the moment, and I hope you guys check it out. And once again, it's Afro 7 on your favorite podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope to catch you guys next week. Hit me with your comments and questions on all social media. I'm at Afro 7. Uh, thank you. Catch you guys next week. Thank you again, everyone, for you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.